You ready for the word? Well, we've been in a series called Why. And uh, I want to talk to you about today an important message why I believe it's so important that each and every one of us continually live by faith. And I think it's something we really need to think about and be conscious of. Why we need to continually, not just have a faith moment. Do you know when somebody has a story, oh, I can tell you what faith did me one time. But I'm talking about living what the Bible actually says, a spirit of faith that you take with you throughout the course of your life. I, I, I often think new, new Christians are the most open and active in their faith. I think Christians who've been Christians for decades, and Sharon and I have been Christians for over 40 years now, we have to work harder at consciously still living by faith, not just getting comfortable, not just learning to be pragmatic. Why I still live by faith. You know, the Bible says anything that's not faith is sin. So I want us to stand up and we're going to pray this morning. Everybody online, why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you put down your coffee? We're glad you're there, but why don't you stand as well? Wherever you are, if you're in the military, and man, are we praying for our military right now, church? Are we not praying for our military right now? We love you. You are not out. You may be out of sight, but you are not out of mind. Those who are watching right now. I, got, I talked to someone just this week who was away doing some stuff and uh, I know where he is and what he's doing. And I'm praying for you that God's hand will be upon you. Major, major important role in our military. So come on, can we just pray today for the word? Because I know this is gonna speak to all of us. Father, I pray today you speak to us as we end this series on why. Lord, last week we heard Josh so powerfully talk about why we worship. Well, Lord, I'm asking today that this wouldn't just be a word, but Lord, it would be a word from heaven that would something would be birthed in us, that Lord, those who maybe need to fan into flame the gift that was given. And Lord, faith is a gift. And I pray, Lord, that we would fan into flame the gift of faith, that it might be active and working in our lives in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Come on, you can be seated. You know, we live in challenging days, don't we? Yeah. Do we live in challenging days? And people get crazy in challenging days. The prophets are all coming out. It's the end of the world. And all the end time prophecies are coming out and people are, and I'm listening to all that. And I, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't despise prophecy, I promise you. But I judge it and I listen to it. Somebody this week was asking me, Pastor, what do you think about all that's going on in the world in Israel? Is, it, is this the end of the world? And I went, well, the Bible does say there'll be in the end times, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. So yeah, we could very well be living in the end times. But how close to the end, I don't know we are. I do know this, the Bible's in, of course, all the prophets are coming out. This is this, this is, you know, the, the Armageddon. This is the end. This is what the Bible prophesied. And I'm thinking, well, the Bible says in the end times, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. But when we, when the end will come, the Bible says, when people say peace at last, then, shall the end come. 
So I'm not very nervous that this is the end, end times because we're just in the wars and the rumors of wars right now. Does that make sense? It's when there's peace, we go, ah, finally. Then might be a day when I might be thinking Jesus could be coming back any time now. Just that I give you my pastoral perspective on what's going on in the world today. Is that all right? So Jesus said this also about end times, that, that occupy until I come again. He's talking about his return, which is happening. But he said, in the meantime, I want you, the church, to occupy. You know what he's saying? Build the church, reach lost people, start Christian clubs in high schools and middle schools, get into the universities, be active in the community, build houses, build businesses, write songs, preach the gospel, occupy, do whatever you do. Don't sit at the rapture bus stop and just be praying, Woo, the end is coming. And you're sitting on your blessed assurance, listening to all the doomsayers and the doom and the gloom. He said, come on, occupy until I come back again. We gotta be busy telling people about Jesus, advancing the kingdom. I love it when someone was asked, what would you do if you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow? What would you do today? My favorite answer I've ever heard. What would you do today if you knew he was coming back tomorrow? Based on what Jesus said, occupy till I come, this is the answer. I'd plant a tree. I'm still planning for the future. Can you say amen? So listen to what God says. God says in Psalm 2, verse 8, in his word. I want you to hear this because this is the thought of taking new ground. So Psalm 2, verse 8, look at it. Put it up here. I think we've got the new King James. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. God's saying to you and I, that if we ask him for the nations, he'll give them to us. Right now, Russia's not asking for Ukraine. It's trying to take it by force. Right now, Hamas isn't asking for Israel. They want to destroy them. Amen? Come on, church. Are you hearing me? But the only thing, the only people group that God would give the nations to is the church. The problem is we're not asking. We're asking God, help us get out of debt. God, help heal me. God, let this happen. And we're thinking, God, help me get over my bad temper. And God wants to give us nations. And I want to tell you, church, I've never been more burdened in my life as I am right now for the nations. That we've got to have a global mindset, a burden for the whole earth in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. That to me is the thought of taking new ground. Yeah. So today I want to talk to you about why I believe we should take new ground in faith. And I just wrote down some things of what, how I've lived out the course of my life from the Word of God, some keys to living in faith. Are you ready for this? You ready for this? Okay, Mark chapter 11, verse 22. And this is right after Jesus cursed a fig tree. And, and, and the disciples came back three days late. The fig tree was in full bloom. 
The only problem is it had no figs on it. And there's a whole story about Israel and its redundancy and its lack of fruitfulness. And I'm not trying to get into that right now. All I want to do is talk about, he went over to this fig tree because it was in full bloom, thinking it would have figs on it. And when he went over to it, it gave the appearance of fruitfulness, but had no fruit. That is a prophetic insight as to what the Jewish people have when they're still hanging on to this thought that Jesus has yet come the first time. And they're still living under the old Old Testament sacrifices, if you really want to understand what that's about. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, not even recognizing the Messiah who's right there in front of them. And so Jesus walks up to this fig tree thinking, let's get some figs. And there were no figs. And Jesus cursed it. And the disciples are thinking, that's a bit rough, Jesus. Come on, a little fig tree. It just had no figs. Three days later, they come back and the fig tree had shriveled up from the roots. And they all said, Jesus, look at the fig tree. And it's almost like there's a question there. How'd you do that? I'd be more interested in why he did it and what was the deeper meaning behind it. But Jesus answers the statement, which is poses a statement, but actually he understood it was a question. And this is what he said. Have faith in God. But if you read that in the English, it doesn't quite translate how it actually literally was written in the Greek. And when you actually translate it from the Greek, it makes no grammatical sense in English. So they made a little switch. But this is literally how it's read in the Greek and directly into English. Have the God kind of faith. Did you hear that? Have the God kind of faith. I love that thought. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, I'm laughing because when I'm reading that verse as a brand new Christian, do you know what I actually did one time? I literally, I can't believe I did it. It's just the naivety of a brand new Christian. I used to live at the foot of the Blue Mountains in Sydney, Australia. And I thought, well, I have faith. So I looked at the Blue Mountains and I said, Blue Mountains, into the sea. I want to let you know the Blue Mountains are still there. They never moved because it was never talking about geographically dislocating or, you know, move, translocating a piece of earth somewhere else. What it's talking about, whatever the mountain is that's in front of you, that you can speak to that mountain and say, get out of my way. Because here's the thing, on the other side of the mountain is what you're believing God for, but the mountain is blocking your view. So you say to the mountain, get out of my sight, get out of my way. I'm believing God to get on the other side. Amen. So, but he does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says, it will happen. It will be done. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask, every say ask, whatever you ask in prayer, ask. That sounds so much more ruder. Ask sounds a little politer than ask. Okay. Uh, Ask in prayer. Believe that you've received it. That was really good grammar, by the way. Rooted. Do you like that? Uh, That you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, there's a thought. That's probably the only verse I see where it says when you stand praying. Some people love to sit down and I have oftentimes just sat in a chair and prayed. But there are times when you stand praying. And look what it says. I love this verse because it's challenging. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, 
Forgive them so that your Father may also forgive you of your sins. So let me tell you why I choose to live by faith, why I believe faith is essential. And what are the keys to faith? Here's the first one. Faith does not doubt. If you do not doubt, but believe in your heart, whatever, let me read it to you one more time. I wanna make sure you get it. It says, it says, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea. Remember now the mountain is that sickness. The mountain is that circumstance. The mountain is whatever it is that is a mountain in front of you, amen? Okay, but does not doubt where in there, where? Where in there? Come on, so where does doubt start? It's in your heart, amen? But believes, so doesn't doubt, but believes what they, what? Say. Did you hear it? So you gotta not doubt where in your heart, but you gotta believe what you say. So what are you saying? Now, I remember as a brand new Christian, I was really good at doubting. I was the biggest doubter you ever met. I doubted if I was saved. Anybody else know? I doubted if I was filled with the Holy Spirit, if I had a heavenly prayer language or whether it was something else. I, I, I doubted whether I could, you know, just live the life that God wanted me to live. I doubted so many things. Matter of fact, one time I went to this friend of mine. I said, I am so full of doubt and I'm reading this verse that I'll never see the promises of God. I'll never get on the other side of the mountain if I keep doubting. And he goes, so what you're telling me is you're good at doubting. I said, man, I'm the king of doubters. He goes, well, if you're good at doubting, listen to this. Why don't you doubt your doubts? <laughs> so when the devil comes along and says, Steve, you're not saved. You say, devil, I doubt that. Amen. Steve, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Devil, I doubt that. And I just start, be I start believing what I'm saying. Come on. And I, I am saved. I am born of God. The blood of Jesus has cleansed me from all sin. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. Devil, listen to this. When I speak in the Holy Spirit, I edify myself and I believe what I'm saying. And there's no place for doubt in my heart because I believe what I'm saying. Whatever you ask in prayer, Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So here's the first key. One of the keys to faith is don't doubt. The second key to faith is desire. Faith desires. Whatever you desire. Is that what the Bible says? Come on. And you do not doubt. Whatever it is you believe. So here's my question. Listen to me. What are you passionate for? What are you asking for prayer? Hey, here's a good question. Are you praying? Do you have passion? Are there things you're believing God for? Or are you just content living in this world laissez-faire? I want to encourage you, keep living by faith. What are you believing God for? God wants to bless you. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his children. So what is it you are believing God for that God could bless you in? And I don't mean just bless you for you to be blessed, but for you to be blessed to be a blessing. When was the last time you asked God for anything? 
When was the last time you were really believing God for? Maybe you got a loved one that isn't saved and you've stopped asking God for their salvation. Maybe it's a financial situation. Lord, I'm believing God. The most selfish prayer a Christian could ever pray. I don't need much. Lord, I just need X amount of dollars a week. I just need $750 a week. That's all I need. Lord, and, that, and that's, that's enough for me to get by. I'll pay my bills, $750 a week. That's all I need. Well, why don't you believe God for 800 and give 50 away? Come on, somebody. What, what, what is it you're desiring? What is it you're believing God for and your, with your kids? Lord, I'm asking for the ability to send my kids to a college, not a crazy one. Lord, I'm believing for a new home. I'm believing, God, Father, for a car that won't just get me from A to B, but I'm believing for a car that'll get me from A to Z. Amen? Now, you do that with wisdom. You don't put yourself up in the debt when you've got no ability to remain generous. But what are you asking God for? You see, faith desires. I'll never forget years and years ago when I was a youth pastor. This, this young girl got saved in our, in our youth ministry. She's probably 20 years of age. She did some bad things. And so I remember she came and she confessed to me some things that she had done. And so I said, well, what are you gonna do about it? She said, what do you wanna do? She goes, I wanna turn myself in. And I said to her, I said, well, you might just wanna get some legal advice before you do that. Just at least talk to someone about that, what that confession looks like. And let me tell you something, there's a big difference between confession and admission. Admission means you finally got caught. Does that make sense? And now you're reluctantly admitting to what is the evidence. Confession means I just got to get this clean. Are you hearing me? And so she's, and and I said, well, uh, you know, I'd advise you to get some legal advice. Well, she went, turned herself into the police station. The policeman, according to her, took her out of of the station, took her back to his house based on what she confessed to and had his way with her for two days and then just turned her out in the streets. She comes back to me and she tells me what happened. She then goes back to the police station to tell the police what this policeman did. Now, by the way, I'm all for the police. This is just one of those bad eggs, it would seem. You with me here? And I think the police are wonderful. Someone give God a hand for our police. And so I remember she found herself in a series of trials and court cases um, that were pending in the future. And I, I, I just went, God, This isn't right. And I I think of it in my life, there's been a couple of times where I've really found whatever you desire in prayer. I found myself saying, God, this girl deserves to not have to face these court cases. She, She actually, out of the integrity of her heart, went to come clean with some things she'd done. And this happened. And Lord, and I remember I was driving my car and I found myself praying with a boldness I'd never prayed before. I said, God, I'm calling on you. Man says this, but God, you are the judge. And I thank you, Lord, that you know all and you see all. And I'm asking God in the name of Jesus for justice for this girl. And all the charges were dropped on her that very day. 
I remember another time when I was thinking about my brother Dennis and how he wasn't saved. And it was a similar time where I went before God and I said, God, come on, he needs to get saved. And I didn't pray like a normal prayer. But let me tell you something. If you can't remember what you prayed for yesterday, don't expect God to answer that prayer today. What is it you're desiring? What is it you're passionate about? Come on, the Bible says, ask and go on asking. Knock and go on knocking. Seek and go on seeking. Jesus tells a parable about an unjust judge. And this woman went before the judge and the judge, of course, he's unjust. He doesn't care. He just dismisses her and tells her to go away. But the next day she's back in the courtroom and she goes, I want justice. And the judge goes, get out of here. The next day she's back in the courtroom. I want justice. The next day, she's back in the courtroom. Judge, you haven't given me justice. She finally got the judge to give her justice, not because he was just, because this woman would not stop asking, would not stop turning up, would not stop pleading a case. And finally, for his own sanity, for his own well-being, all right, I'll give you justice. It's in that story that Jesus teaches you and I to go before God in heaven who is not an unjust judge. And we got to keep on asking and knocking and seeking. Come on, what is it you're passionate about? Number three, faith forgives. When you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, you ought to forgive them so that your heavenly Father may also forgive you of your sins. I gotta tell you, you and I, let's be honest. We've got some sins that we thank God are under the blood. And God throws them as far as the east is to the west. They'll never come back on you. Amen? But if you have unforgiveness in your heart, towards someone else, God says, I'm not forgiving you. Now it got very quiet. And all I'm trying to do is not shame you. I'm just telling you, you can't afford to hang on to that hurt. You, you can't afford to hold a grudge. You've got to be, see, that's what faith does. Listen to me, faith forgive. It doesn't mean that you validate what they did. It doesn't mean what they did was okay. Amen. It doesn't mean you become a doormat to that thing and you forgive in the sense all of a sudden you're best friends with that person. No, no, you still got a boundary. You still got wisdom. Listen, unforgiveness is drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That's what it is. And I want to encourage you. One of the things that I realized for me to be a man of faith is to make sure that I'm not carrying unforgiveness in my heart. Why I forgive? Because if I don't forgive, God will not forgive me. Praise the Lord. Number four, yeah, give the Lord a hand. Why I live by faith and the key to faith is this. Faith is persistent. I love this story. It's the only time in the whole Bible and any of the, any of the whole four gospels that even Jesus had to pray for someone twice for them to get their healing. Every time Jesus prayed for anyone, 
instantly healed. One man, one story in the whole Bible where Jesus prayed for someone and they didn't immediately get their healing. Did you know that? Let me read it to you. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. They came to Bethsaida and some of the people brought a blind man and he begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. And when he'd spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, can you see this? He, he, he took him by the hand, led him out of the village, spat on him, and then spat on the man's eyes and played his hands upon him. And Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes and then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Can I tell you, our faith has to be persistent. If you pray for something and it doesn't happen, doesn't mean it wasn't God's will. What this Bible verse is telling me, we got to know the power of persistency in our faith. That we just can't give up the first time. And just too many Christians go, well, it mustn't have been God's will. And he didn't give it to me. I didn't get it. So it mustn't have been God's will. The Bible says that Daniel prayed for 21 days for an answer. And finally, after 21 days, one of the angels of heaven, one of the warriors of heaven breaks through and Daniel goes, it's about time. And then listen to this. The angel goes, you don't understand, Daniel. I've been fighting all of hell to get here. And every day you prayed, it gave me power to come against the powers of Persia, the principalities and the dark forces. I want to tell you, thank God Daniel didn't stop on day 19. And all that fight was for nothing. Thank God Daniel was persistent enough to ask and go on asking and seek and go on seeking and knock and go on knocking before the judge and saying, come on, God, I want my breakthrough. I want to get on the other side side and I want to encourage you today we live in a world that's so negative that's so doom and gloom and so gives up so easily but I've come today to remind you keep living by faith stay persistent listen to this one you ever heard Jesus call someone a dog you ever heard Jesus do this he did in the bible Jesus called a woman a dog. Look what the Bible says. Now, let me, here's the thought. Faith isn't offended. Are you hearing me? Faith isn't offended. We live in such a culture today where if anything doesn't happen for us when we want it, we get so upset and we get so offended and somebody can, we can, somebody can just cut us off on the road and we can lose all of our joy and get so offended that we will go to great lengths to get revenge. Come on, somebody. Somebody could just say, I remember for me as an earlier Christian, somebody would say, I preach in a church, I come back a year later and they'd say, we really enjoyed you this time. <laughs> And I remember getting so offended. What was wrong with the last time? Well, nowadays, that's water off a duck's back. Amen? I, I've gotten a little bit more secure from those early days. But let me tell you what faith is. Let me show you in Matthew 15. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew, withdrew to the region of Tyre in Sidon. And a Canaanite woman 
from that vicinity came to him. And she's crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and is suffering terribly. And Jesus didn't even answer her a word. You ever felt like sometimes God ignored you? So his disciples came up to him and urged him, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. Can you hear the persistency? And he answered, and this is what he said. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And then the woman came, knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Rather, Jesus said, is it not? It's not right. And she said, it is, Lord. She said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. (laughs) Your request is granted. And the daughter was healed at that very moment. You read that story and you think, why would Jesus say that? Because he already saw the persistency. He already knew she was going to get a miracle. She was trying to teach people, you can't afford to get offended in faith. He was trying to teach people, listen, this is what Job said. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Faith, faith can face facts. Come on. Faith isn't interested or distracted by insults. It's only focused on the answer. And I want to encourage you and I today, we can't afford to live lives where we're offended and easily hurt. We've got to believe God. Come on, mountain, get out of my way. I want what's on the other side of my mountain. And all I see is the answer. Come hell, come high water. If I feel like God's not answering, me. I don't care. I'm believing God for my miracle. I don't care what people say. I don't care if heaven is silent. God, I'm believing for my miracle. Come on, somebody give the Lord a hand. Listen to this one. Faith will push you through when others tell you to give up. Why I live by faith. Mark 10, verse 46, they came to Jericho. And as Jesus and his, with his disciples, together there was a large crowd that were leaving the city and a blind man called Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard of Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Could you imagine it? Apparently when people lose one of their senses, their other senses heighten. So this man lost his sight. But his senses of hearing actually increases as a result to help in some way compensate the loss of sight. Your sense of touch also increases. You see people who are blind with a cane, and they're touching, they're sensing, their awareness increases to help compensate. The human body's amazing. So when he hears, wait, what? Jesus is close by? I wanna tell you, he shouts. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
but nothing happened. So he shouts all the louder, Jesus, son of David. When was the last time you cried out to God? Have your kids heard you cry out to God? Listen to this. When he heard that Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man. Look at this. The same crowd that rebuked him and told him to shut up. The same crowd, Shh, be quiet. You're getting too loud. You're embarrassing. You'll wake the dead. Be quiet. And Jesus stops and goes, go get that man. And that same crowd, they told him to shut up. Live with your blindness. Accept your circumstances. Come on. Manage it. And now saying, cheer up. On your feet. He is calling for you. And look what the Bible says. Look at this. I love it. Do we have the next verse? Throwing his cloak aside. Do you know what he's telling me right there? He knew his days of begging. He knew his days of blindness are over. He throws his cloak aside, jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And look what the Bible says. Jesus asked the question. I love it. Blind man yelling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Everybody go, shut up, be quiet. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Hey, he wants you. All right, here I am, Jesus. And Jesus goes, what do you want? <laughs> well, he might have an ingrown toenail. <laughs> what do you want? Lord, that I might see you. He answered. Jesus said, go, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight. Do you see what happened there? Do you see what happened there? Jesus saw his faith. Did you hear it? When everyone else is telling you, give it up, man. When the doctor tells you there's no hope, just live with it. When the bank manager says, there's no way you can turn this around. Jesus, son of David. I have a friend who was a businessman back in Australia. Cash flow was a real challenge when you're a business person, especially when you're living on the edge. And this guy used to have all these bills of people who owed him tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he would do his job and ring these clients up and say, you need to pay your bills. I've got bills I need to pay and I can't pay my bills without your bills. And he used to get it and finally at the end of it all, he used to get these invoices of money that was owed to him. He'd open up his Bible on verses like this and he'd stick his invoices and then he'd cry out to God. God, don't let them sleep. Torment them knowing that they owe me this money. God, I'm calling in this money. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen this man run his business with good due diligence and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, my friends, God does not answer need. God answers faith. Come on. I got to close my times up. 
I had 12 of these points. Maybe we'll do another six next week. But um, I remember our first house we ever bought, first house. We bought a little apartment. I think we paid, how much was that? $37,000 for that little apartment. That's embarrassing now to think about. But we even borrowed the deposit to buy that house, that apartment. But we sold it, I think, a year or two later. For How much do you remember? For 40 something 40-something thousand dollars. That actually, we paid off the thousand dollars we borrowed. We didn't live in the apartment, to tell you the truth. It was close by a university. It was more of a student accommodation apartment. But with that money, we had enough deposit to, you know, we put a deposit toward a home. And the cheapest house in the city we lived in at the time, the cheap, cheapest house, you know, that, that uh, house that nobody wants to live in, but you got to get started. You know the house that's maybe in a shooting district? That kind of house. I'm not kidding you. The cheapest house was seventy dollars to $80,000. A house in a neighbourhood that you'd want to live in was $100,000. Do you know what Sharon said to me? She goes, Steve, and I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to put this in my notes because somebody needs to hear this today, more than one. And she said to me, Steve... I'm gonna, by the way, that was singers' positions. Please come on back. Praise the Lord. Where are you guys? Out having a cigarette? What are you doing? Praise the Lord. Um, she said to me, Steve, I'm going to believe God for a home for $55,000. And you want to talk about a crowd that told this man to shut up and be quiet? I looked at Sharon and said, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm a man of faith. I do not have faith for that. The cheapest house, 70 to 80,000 that you wouldn't live in. A house that you would live in, still 100,000. And she said, $55,000. I rebuked her, didn't I, huh? I said, honey, there's faith and there's just ridiculous. This is not just ridiculous. This is impossible. That very night, Sharon looked at me. She goes, I don't care what you think. I have faith for it. And I honestly thought, I don't care what you think. That very night, we were one of the first people that would get a local newspaper and in that local newspaper was a house for sale it wasn't for a realtor it was just an ad house for sale on 181 Richmond Road Penrith quarter acre piece of land a little cottage how many square feet was that house maybe 800 square feet on the market for 50 $5,000. I said, honey, it's a typo error. Nobody is selling a quarter acre. It was a cute little cottage. It was, and I, so we rang the guy instantly. It was late at night. And I said to the guy, hey, we, we're interested in your house. Is it really the right price? He goes, that's the price. And this is what he said to me. 
I've had realtors ring me and offer me $100,000 over the phone without even looking at the house. And he said something I'll never forget, but I don't trust realtors. And I said, neither do I. I apologize to all the realtors, you're awesome. Praise the Lord. And he said, why don't you come to my house tomorrow morning and look at it? I said, we'll be there, 6 a.m. And when I hung the phone up, the Holy Spirit's now speaking to me. Bring $500 cash. So I took with us $500 cash. I told him who we were, what we did in the city. You pastors, loving Jesus, believing God for a home. And he goes, I've honestly had people on my door as early as 5 a.m. trying to buy this house. But I waited for you because you were the first to call. And if you have $500 deposit, I give you my word, no matter how much anyone else offers me, I will sell you my house for $55,000. And that was our first time we ever bought. And I, I just wanted today, remind us, church, look at me. We live by faith and not by sight. I want to encourage you to cry out to God. I want to encourage you to lift your game. I want to encourage you and I both. Let's ask God, can we take new ground this year? This year is not over yet. Can we take new ground individually? Can we take new ground as a church? Can we take Psalm 2 verse 8 and begin to ask God for nations that we could affect the world in which we live? Can anybody say amen? If you believe it, give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on. Come on, give God some praise. Father, we're asking you for the nations. Lord, we're asking you for miracles. We're asking you for breakthroughs. We're asking God for supernatural things in each and every one of our lives. Father, we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Just recently, I think of another time when I was praying for a friend of mine for 25 years, went under media persecution. And then we found himself in an unjust court case. It was just persecution of a great Christian leader. And I remember going on the back porch of my house just a few months ago, and I felt like I took some new ground. I said, Lord, I know this man's just. I know he's not guilty of this. And I'm calling and I'm asking, I'm seeking. Come on, God. And the outcome and the jury and the trial all came. It was just one man, one judge that made the sentence and the decision for this man's future for life. Accused of things he didn't do. And I know he didn't do. The judge said, not only is this man not guilty, but you are, spoke to the prosecution and said, what you've done is the exact opposite of what this man has done. He's not guilty of anything. And frankly, you owe this man legal fees and you've destroyed him and his reputation and I tell you something I want to tell you don't think you're ever at the mercy of man we have the power of prayer